March 7th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will come from the book of Mark, chapter 13, verses 14 through 37. Take heed that no one deceives you. Political and geological disruption will give false prophets and false Christs great opportunity to deceive people. Persecution against God's people will either strengthen us or weaken us. Take heed to what Jesus taught. The Word of God is the only dependable light in this dark world. Jesus has told us beforehand what to expect and what to avoid, and we must heed His words. His Word is dependable and durable, so trust it. Take heed, watch, and pray. During the tribulation period, various signs will signal Christ's return to earth. But believers today are looking for the Savior and not for signs. Be alert and keep praying is His admonition. Do the work I have given you to do. You want to be found faithful when He comes, and He could come today. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. March 7th, Mark chapter 13, verses 14 through 37. The time will come when you will see the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where it should not be. Listener, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person outside the house must not go back into the house to pack. A person in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for mothers nursing their babies in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter, for those will be days of greater horror than at any time since God created the world, and it will never happen again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, the entire human race will be destroyed. But for the sake of His chosen ones, He has shortened those days. And then, if anyone tells you, Look, here is the Messiah, or there He is, don't pay any attention. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform miraculous signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out, I have warned you. At that time, after those horrible days end, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arrive on the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send forth his angels to gather together his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its buds become tender, and its leaves begin to sprout, you know without being told that summer is near. Just so, when you see the events I've described beginning to happen, you can be sure that his return is very near, right at the door. I assure you, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these events have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will remain forever. However, No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when they will happen, 
stay alert and keep watch. The coming of the Son of Man can be compared with that of a man who left home to go on a trip. He gave each of his employees instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. So keep a sharp lookout, for you do not know when the homeowner will return, at evening, midnight, early dawn, or late daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch for his return. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cover the ministry of Jesus, which we know that his earthly ministry was three and a half years. Can you imagine hanging around him? You never knew what he was going to do. You could think you knew what he was going to do. But like in the case of Lazarus, when Lazarus died, he didn't even show up. He didn't show up. He waited four days until Lazarus had been buried, even to the point that Mary and Martha said, Lord, if you'd come early, our brother wouldn't have died. But I've learned something about Jesus. He don't care if you've been dead an hour or four days. But when Jesus comes and gets in the middle of that which is dead, it will come back to life again. Everything about his life was supernatural. His birth, born of a virgin. His earthly ministry was supernatural. From the very first miracle when he turned water into wine. And when you think about that, nobody was healed. Nobody was delivered. Nobody was set free. Nobody was even saved. It was just a wedding. And the Bible says he did it to show his goodness. In other words, he just wanted to tell people how good he was. Because he's good. One thing you find out about Jesus is that he's good. His death was supernatural. Because when he died, not only did he die for the sin of the world, but he took upon himself all the sickness and disease and all the torment and everything that you and I would face. He was pure. He was sinless. He was 100% God, 100% man. The Bible calls him the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And he came, humbled himself, took on human flesh, lived for 30 years in preparation for three and a half years of earthly ministry, did perform no miracle until he was baptized by John in the river Jordan. And when he come up out of the water, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. God spoke out of heaven, said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased yea he him from that moment of time Jesus went about healing the sick cleansing the leper raising the dead opening the eyes of the blind Acts 10 and 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were pressed to the devil for God was with him and of course the end of the gospel of John said all these miracles did he do and all the others his resurrection up from the grave he arose that death could not hold him death could not hold him he come up out of the grave having paid the price for the sin of the world we know that when he cried it is finished the veil of the temple was torn in two the Holy Spirit came out of an earthly tabernacle never again to live therein but to come and live in your heart and my heart and so suddenly the tabernacle of God is with man that's what Emmanuel God with us means he comes to live in you he comes to make his home in you he wants to live big on the inside of you he wants to come and touch through your hands he wants to walk in your feet he wants to speak through your mouth he wants it to where your very shadow would bring about a transformation in your house, in your neighborhood, wherever you go. 
because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and then his ascension the way that he left the earth and a cloud came and received him and an angel said this same Jesus as you see him go he's coming again and we know that he's coming in clouds of great glory so his life sinless even though the Bible says he was tempted in everything even as we are but yet without sin so his death at Calvary was for the sin of the world his resurrection Jesus was raised from the dead he stripped Satan of the keys of death hell and the grave he gave us his name that when we use that name that everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth has to come to the attention of that name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. In our own power and ability, we cannot do it. But in His power and in His ability, you can overcome everything that the enemy will throw in your path. It's not your power, it's His power. It's not your ability, it's His ability. It's not your might, it's His might. And I'm here to tell you, Nothing is impossible with God. Don't write yourself off and don't write anybody you know off. Just realize when Jesus comes, everything changes. I've had people come to me and say, that person will never do anything. I said, oh, you're looking at them now, but you're not seeing them the way they're going to be when they're finished. Because God is not finished with them yet. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And it's all because of one person. And his name is... Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23. In his chapter-by-chapter Bible commentary, Warren Wearsby says this psalm describes a courtroom scene. God is judge, witness, and jury, and he brings an indictment against two kinds of religious sinners. There is insincere worshipers. He calls the court to order, not with the rap of a gavel, but with the revelation of his glory. He indicts his people who offer sacrifices insincerely. Their worship is just empty routine and they hope to earn God's blessing. God does not need the things we give Him, but we need to give Him spiritual sacrifices of thanksgiving, praise, and obedience. It was William Temple who said that uh, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God. We'll read about also hypocritical worshipers. Here the issue is not sacrifices, but the covenant they made with God. They profess one thing and practice another. They are guilty of theft, adultery, deceit, and slander. They thought that God's silence meant escape from punishment, but they were wrong. Judgment begins with God's people not with the lost world. Heed the warning of verse 22 and accept the admonition of verse 23. Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23. A Psalm of Asaph. The mighty God, the Lord, has spoken. 
He has summoned all humanity from east to west. From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. Our God approaches with the noise of thunder. Fire devours everything in His way, and a great storm rages around Him. Heaven and earth will be His witnesses as He judges His people. Bring my faithful people to me, those who made a covenant with me by giving sacrifices. Then let the heavens proclaim His justice, for God Himself will be the judge. O my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly bring to my altar. But I want no more bulls from your barns. I want no more goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Every bird of the mountains and all the animals of the field belong to me. If I were hungry, I would not mention it to you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. I don't need the bulls you sacrifice. I don't need the blood of goats. What I want instead is your true thanks to God. I want you to fulfill your vows to the Most High. Trust me in your times of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. But God says to the wicked, Recite my laws no longer, and don't pretend that you obey me. For you refuse my discipline, and treat my laws like trash. When you see a thief, you help him, and you spend your time with adulterers. Your mouths are filled with wickedness, and your tongues are full of lies. You sit around and slander a brother, your own mother's son. While you did all this, I remained silent." And you thought, I didn't care. But now I will rebuke you, listing all my charges against you. Repent, all of you who ignore me, or I will tear you apart, and no one will help you. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Proverbs chapter 10 Verses 29 and 30. The Lord protects the upright, but destroys the wicked. The godly will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land.